0: Welcome once again to Gardening Talk, back on a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, how are we?
1: Very, very well. It's a stunner of an afternoon again. It always seems to be a stunner of an afternoon when we're together. Exactly. Yes. Always is. Mondays, best day of the week. It certainly is. So, what have you got planned for us today, Scotty? Well, I thought we'd talk today about a, a few jobs to do this autumn in the garden. There's a couple of things oh, you okay. need to do to get uh, up and running. For Nothing the... backbreaking. Well, not for you or I, mate. Fair enough. The, the, the Adonises <laughs> of the gardening world. <laughs> Uh, I thought we might. Uh, there's a few uh, upcoming orchid shows, and orchids are starting to come online in the next month or so. So we'll talk about those. And uh, I guess nothing to do with gardening, but what to do with a seagull and a hot ship on a beautiful beachy day on a Sunday with a, at Nobby's. Fair enough. I will look forward to that story. Okay. We've got Cole from Rutherford. Hey, hey, Cole. I believe you're up there around Steamfest over the weekend.
2: Yeah, I wasn't there, but I was not far away from it. Uh, but I've got azalea leaf pug, Yes. And I bought some tablets the other day, Confidore tablets. Yes. I'm going to try them.
1: Okay, don't take them yourself, mate, but you've got to give them to the plant. <laughs> uh, now, yeah. Conf- Confidore will work on the Azalea lace bug. Uh, unfortunately, though, once the the, uh, the leaves are damaged on the plant, they, sort of, they won't come back, unfortunately. So you're going to have that silvery look uh, to them all the time. Uh, So, the best thing to do is to treat it and then give it a light prune back just to see if you can, you know, give, give a flush of new growth and try and get rid of some of that affected growth that you've got there. Yeah, so but look, the confidor tablets will work. You just stick them in the soil around there. Uh, if you've got some uh, confidor spray uh, insect and mite killer, will work as well. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where you have to almost use it preventatively uh, because you know at certain times of year the azalea lace bugs really going to come on the attack. So it is something you have to try and use preventatively, even though it mightn't have damaged the plant yet.
2: Yeah, well, when they were down the bottom there, we only shifted about fifty metres or so up the road. Mm-hmm and it's only affected them since
1: then. Yeah, and look, it might not be your fault, mate. It can can just be, uh, you know, you've got a dodgy neighbour or something like that who's not looking after their garden perhaps as well, and, uh, you know, those insects are just windborne, so they can get blown Mm. in, and it's all of a sudden it's onto yours as well. Can you
2: replant them? Repot them, I mean.
1: They're in the pots. Yeah, you can certainly do that. It might be that the plant, if it's in a pot, it might be a little bit stressed as well. So getting them in the ground is always a, a good thing for a plant. It's uh, you know you can stretch out its root systems can can stretch out. Um, mm-hmm. You know it's like you know having a single bed as opposed to a king size sort of thing. I guess you know you like to stretch out, and that's what the plant likes to do as well. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah well, I didn't know whether you could transplant. Do them now or later on.
1: Yeah, look, there's certainly no reason why you couldn't transplant at the moment the ground. Yeah, especially from out of a pot and into the ground, that should be fine. Right, then. Thank you. Okay, thanks Colin. Thanks very much. Cheers. Bye. No, is this is guarding talk back on 2
0: and your RFM 103.7. If you have any questions for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. Now, autumn is just around the corner, Scott. What do we have to do to prepare?
1: Yes, it feels like we're in the midst of autumn at the moment, mm. doesn't it? Uh, Liz. Leaves... Well, has that autumn started, hasn't yeah, I think it, it has actually. Yeah. I just didn't want to correct you there. That's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I corrected myself. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was I was trying to make you look good. Um <laughs> I do try hard at that. Uh, It never works. (laughs) I wanted you to say that as well. (laughs) The the leaves are falling off the trees, all the deciduous trees. So, you know, autumn definitely is here. There's that little crispness in the air, although it still is a beach uh, going weather Mm. over the weekend. Uh, But some of the jobs you can do uh, during autumn. Raking. Raking, certainly raking. Yeah, I've I've been doing some of that at home, and uh, you know the next week you have to go and rake again. But I guess in Newcastle, the great thing is a lot of the deciduous trees they sort of drop their leaves quite quickly. Yeah, uh, they don't sort of hang around and get all the beautiful colours on them, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, certainly raking at the moment because there's lots of fungal diseases that can start to build up on your lawn if you don't oh, right. do that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's important to get that away. It just stays moist and wet, and the and the, the uh, grass just starts to rot away underneath there. All right, I just take the lawnmower and go straight at the top. That's another way of doing it. Yep. That, that, that's fine as well. That's my way of doing it as wow. well. I'm not, not disagreeing with you about it. <laughs> uh, look, uh, the other thing you need to do at the moment is trim your hedges uh, such as your box and, and your golden gerandas and your morayas and feed them with cow manure at the moment because what happens if you wait uh, you know, three, four more weeks and you go and prune, then you won't get any growth coming back. So you'll have this bare hedge. All the way through winter So it's important to go and uh, you know do a bit of pruning at the moment To get that growth coming back as quick as you can uh, Of course, look, the, uh, the clivias We spoke about it last week uh, With a couple of callers uh, They're getting stripped by the old uh, grubs again So you need to spray with carbaryl or dipel To get rid of that because they're doing a lot of damage And uh, any old uh, citrus leaf minor damage on your leaves That you might still have uh, Give that a good prune back as well uh, Hopefully now that it's uh, getting a bit cooler The citrus leaf minor g- might go away Okay. Yeah. So some handy little tips.
0: Absolutely. Now as it's Gardening talk back on 2 and we've got Jan from Lampton Gardens about
1: Judas trees. That's it. How can we help you with it?
3: Well, it you know what it is? It's a deciduous tree, obviously. Yes. And I just want to know it's in my courtyard and I love it and it's getting bigger but I want to trim it off and I want to
1: know how much I can cut off it. Yeah, look, with deciduous trees, you can actually, and it's sort of a good rule of thumb with any deciduous tree, you can actually go quite hard with them, especially when they're in their dormant phase and they've lost all their leaves, you know, in mid-July. Uh, but as a good rule of thumb, though, uh, I guess a third of the trees are usually the best way to go. That's and a lot, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. And try yeah. and get it into a nice shape. That's, I guess, the most important thing, to get any any pruning you're doing to actually try and get it into a nice shape. Uh, Because if you start to prune back too heavily, you know, you get back to the single leaders, uh, you know, even to the main leader of the tree. And you don't want to do that. You just want to shape it so that when it starts to regrow, uh, it's just going to come back nice and full for you.
3: It's a beautiful tree. I don't know if
1: you know it. Yeah, yeah, I have heard of it before. I haven't seen them growing here in Newcastle. So it's interesting that you've got one uh, over there. Excellent. Okay, and it's going all right, and you said you've got a courtyard garden?
3: It's in a courtyard, and it's, um, yeah, it's just... I've had it probably about 10, 11 years now, and it's just beautiful.
1: And how tall has it got in that time?
3: Uh, It's probably about 13 feet.
1: Okay, so not not too big yet.
3: Well, no, it's big enough, but it blocks off next door, which is wonderful.
1: Okay. (laughs) We don't know exactly where you live, so we're not talking about your neighbours here.
3: (laughs) No, no, no. The other thing is, I've got... um, some gardenias, yes, and I want to trim some of those, but I want to put some more in. When can you plant
1: them? Uh, look, with gardenias, you can plant them all year round here in Newcastle. Uh, they're just—it's just one of those plants that are—you know—they'll if you put them in now in autumn and winter, they'll bed their root system in for spring, so they're ready to go. Yeah, with gardenias, not a problem really to plant them all year round.
3: Okay. And how much can I cut off the existing
1: ones? Oh, again, gardenias, uh, probably about a third of the plant. You can go heavier if you want to, but okay. just a nice trim. You can actually hedge gardenias if you want to uh, into a nice sort of square hedge. You well, don't have not to not
3: quite in that sort of um, situation.
1: So... No, no. That's so okay. just, just back to a nice shape again.
3: Okay, so about a third off each of them.
1: Yep, that'll be fine.
3: Yep, okay. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, thank
1: you, Jan. And we've
0: got Marcelia from Macquarie Hills.
1: Hi, Marcella. We we wanted to call you Marcella and say Marcello, like you're an Italian.
4: Uh, you can do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're having great debate here before about how to pronounce your name.
4: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> now, how can we help now you? I'm to- famous on your radio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how can we help you?
4: Oh. I've got a little problem with my 15 years. Yes. I bought them from a nursery a year ago, yes? and they were going awesome. Except a scale got onto it, so I treated it with a confidant and then uh, some of the bits have been left there so the buck's gone. Yes. But now a second satinia seems to be weeping and it looks really pretty much dead. Yes. Yeah, so- like, I- it happened overnight.
1: So Fetinias can actually get a borer in them. They've got quite a heavy bark on them, but as they get a bit older, that bark can crack, and you can get a borer weevil going in there, and that's why you're seeing that, that weeping sap coming back out of out of the plant like that. Uh, Look, the only thing to do with that is to actually start to prune the plant down uh, with the the secateurs and just see if you can get to some green, because if you're actually pruning into dead wood, you might as well cut that away and try and get down to the green. And uh, if you do find some green, it might be worth getting some uh, poison, some confidor, even if you've got some left around, and uh, pouring that down the hole uh, and in around where the uh, borers might be. Oh,
4: okay. because I've got like a 30 plants, and if one goes, then... You know, the whole hedge would
1: go. Yeah, so that, that's imp- so it's probably best to actually go and give a preventative spray as well.
4: Prevent.
1: Yeah, so okay. you can use either insect and mite killer. If you've got some oil, you can certainly go and give that a try and see if it works for you, just as a preventative to try and keep any of those uh, little insects that lay their their little borer weevils into the bark away. Give it a try and see how you go. How old are the plants? Huh.
4: They're nearly a year old. Oh, so they are
1: not—they're really not that old, then. Uh, just make no. sh- make sure that they're uh, being really well watered and fertilised. Yep. Yeah,
4: I use a
1: Charlie cup. Okay, that, that's fine. It might be best to get uh, another fertiliser as well that's a little bit higher in nitrogen, and uh, use that. Um, there's bounce back. It's a slow release fertiliser, or you could use some poultry manure as well if you wanted to. Now, the other thing I was going to ask you is: there grass growing around the trunk of the
4: of the tree? No, okay. no, no. I put the weed mud, so no weeds will come into it and only cut the hole where the trunk of the fatinias goes.
1: Okay, that, that's fine. So it's important not to let the grass actually grow around the tree because that sucks away a lot of nutrient and a lot of moisture.
4: Okay. Okay. I don't lose my plant. Thank <laughs> you so much. That's all
1: right. You, you go and look after them. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
1: Have a nice afternoon.
0: No worries, it's to Talk back on 2 RFM. We've got Gary from Valentine talking about rosemary bushes.
1: How can we help you, Gary?
2: G'day, Scott. Yeah, I've got a rosemary, I've had it for a lot of years now. It's in a big pot, but it's slowly dying yes. on me. Have, yeah. you,
1: have you been fertilising it and watering it?
4: Yeah, I have
1: another thing you can do with the rosemary, if it's in a pot, you can actually pull it out and give it a good root prune and then put some fresh potting mix back in there. And if you're going to do that, prune the roots off. You can also give the plant a prune over the top as well, probably about a third of it off. And that, that you yep. might find that that might just uh, sort of re, uh, revitalise it a little bit, I guess.
2: Okay, so right to dig out
1: now, could I? Oh, you might as well do it now. The, the heat's gone away. Uh, it's probably a good time to do it.
2: Okay, thanks for that. Yeah, it's just... It's, it was a massive bush, and now there's only probably about a quarter
1: of it left. Yeah, so, so yeah, give it a good prune back to that. Uh, look, it could be that there's you know some disease or anything, but if it's dying back that much, you might as well give it a, a you know a prune back and a root prune and see if you can uh, revitalise the plant.
2: Okay, that's great. Thanks, Bob. Okay.
1: You have a good afternoon, Gary.
2: Thank you. Bye.
1: Cheers.
0: so no we've got Laurie from a Cardiff, fallen leaves.
1: How can we help you, Laurie?
3: Uh, I was just curious, because I just heard you say about... Um, not leaving fallen leaves on the ground because it could uh, create a fungus. Yes. Um, We've specifically got a peach tree that, as you probably know, it's falling like crazy now. and We just sweep it all underneath, thinking it'll just compost down. Is that good or bad?
1: Yeah, I guess we were mostly talking about if you're letting your uh, deciduous trees fall all over the grass, yeah. At the time, so oh. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let it do that. But certainly, if you want to compost it uh, under the tree, you could do that, or even just rake it up into a pile somewhere and let it break yeah. down a little bit. Then and then, um, you know, move it back over to the tree at a later date. Ah, oh, right. So
3: it's on top of grass. It's the problem.
1: Yeah, you don't want a, a mat over your grass because you can certainly get some fungal diseases under that if yeah. you let that continue.
5: Oh, all right. Cool. No worries. Thank you so Excellent. much. Thank you, Laurie. Okay. Bye.
1: And we've got Diana from Tanilba
0: Bay, and we're talking yeah. shrubs.
5: Yes, that's right. right. Yes. Um, look, I was wondering, I've just bought a couple of native shrubs. Yes. Um, because I've had a pine tree that had borer, I've had that taken down. And um, I was, I'm going to put them into big pots. I've got the uh, native potting mix. And I wanted to know, should I put some stones in the bottom of the pot to allow for a bit of drainage, or is it just safe to, or is it uh, better? for
1: them to um, just have this potting mix. Yes, it's, look, you just need potting mix now, Diana. Uh, that, the, the old stones in the bottom of the pot, that's an old wives' tale, and it just <laughs> seems to be promulgated. It just keeps on going and going. So what's happened now with the uh, modern potting mixes is they're all formulated. There's boffins, they've got white lab coats on. I'm sure they've got microscopes as well.
2: <laughs> and they're in
1: a laboratory, and they formulate these potting mixes so they do all the right things for your plants. So that, that old wives' tale, I think, came came about when uh, people used to just go and dig some dirt out of the garden and stick it into the uh, into the pot. And what mm. would happen is the holes would clog up in the pot, so people would often put uh, stones in the bottom to aid the drainage. But now with modern potting mixes, you certainly don't have to do that. We'd probably get, uh, you know, one or two people a week coming into work sort of with the old wives' tale, hanging it out to dry, and we'll always say, mm. no, 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 you don't have to do that anymore. Modern all potting right. mixes do all the yes. right things, especially and, and with...
5: Will, the... will, that, will they need any fertilising? Because there are only the um, ones the Captain Cook bottle brush... Mm-hmm. And
3: the other
1: one is the um, gold Goldrush Grevillea. When you put them into a brand new potting mix, you really don't have to do anything for about uh, you know, six months or so. And after mm-hmm. that, you'd have to start fertilizing. But the most important thing to do is to make sure you only use uh, a native fertilizer or blood and bone. Blood and bone is very safe to use on native plants. And because they're in pots, you just have to make sure you only use them according to the directions.
5: Oh, I see. All right, then. Okay, and they don't need a lot of watering, do they? Because I'm, I'm a novice gardener at the moment.
1: So. <laughs> Look, even though they are native plants, you still don't want them to be drying out for long periods of time. The plant will get stressed, especially when they're in a pot, if it's windy or, uh, you know, if it's very, very hot. So just make sure that your watering watering's quite regular with them. Uh, you know, probably every couple of days is the best way to go.
5: Oh, I, I see. That's great. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, then, well, thank you very much, Scott. Okay, good luck with Thanks Diana. Bye-bye. Right, thank you, bye-bye.
0: And we have got Ray from Newcastle. Hey, Ray, how
1: can we help you?
5: Oh, hi. Ray's coming now. This is Rebecca.
1: Oh. <laughs> no worries, Rebecca. Hello. Well, oh, Ray. How you going, hey. mate?
2: Good. How is can we help?
1: Scott? Yes, how can
2: we help? Oh, Scott, look, um, we're um, putting a garden in in the back of a terrace. Yes. And I wanted to put some grass in, and I was wondering what depth of sort of, uh soil or
1: dirt you need under the grass for it to grow. Yes, now it's it's always going to be the more the merrier. I'm here waving my fingers around and Greg's here looking at them. I'm going to get him to estimate the distance oh, in a little 30 while. 30 centimetres? About 30 centimetres? 30
2: centimetres.
0: That's a good estimate. Yeah,
1: 20 to 30 centimetres would be a good amount because it, it, it's just going to dry out too quickly if you don't get some yeah. decent soil in underneath there. That said, I have seen grass planted under oh, less than that, probably about 10, 15. 10 to 15 centimetres, but I don't know that it was doing very well. It was sort of in a car park out at Cardiff RSL, and they just more or less laid this garden bed over the top of part of the car park yeah. and put in the memorial gardens there. So I think if you can get more than that, you know, 20 to 30 centimetres, you're going to get a, a much better lawn and withstand uh, the heat and uh, yeah, the dry well, conditions that we get here much better for you.
3: And does it matter, like, we've got a... Uh, a mixture of uh, a bit of um, old broken old pavers, with a bit of cement over some parts. Would that matter if that was directly under the soil?
1: No, that that shouldn't that that shouldn't affect that at all. Probably, oh great. Okay.
3: Thanks very much, buddy. Excellent. Good. Thank Cheers. you. For
1: that. Cheers, Ray. Bye-bye. Bye
0: bye. Right. Okay, we've got Kev from Rankin Park. We're still talking lawns. Yes,
2: yeah, Scott. Thanks. Um, I've got a buffalo lawn uh, that's been a really good lawn in the past. That's uh, always nice and rich and uh, it gets a a bit of seepage which keeps it nice and moist but just recently uh, there's a half moon patch uh, probably about eight foot by about three foot um, that's just died off it's just gone like a a, a tan you know tan color and uh, for no apparent reason I was just wondering the rest of the lawn um, seems to be okay so I don't think it's a
1: a water problem, but uh, just wonder what your thoughts might be. Yeah, look, uh, don't don't worry, Kevin, You're not an island out there at Rankin Park. Uh, what's been happening at the at the moment is a lot of people have got army grub uh and or black beetle or or crickets we think it's mostly army grub at the moment uh, it's come on very late this season and that's the way it dies out the way it is in your lawn it just sort of starts out as a you know as a, a circle a patch and then just keeps on moving outwards uh, so you do need to treat that and you don't just treat the area that's affected you treat uh, all of the lawn uh, because the moths have been long and they've laid their little eggs all over the lawn and now the grubs are hatching and they're eating the root system uh, of your lawn away and that's that's why it's dying off like that Uh, So, look, there's a lot of different uh, products out there on the market. Uh, Generally, they've got lawn grub killer or something on the packaging. You use that according to the directions. Uh, One of the main things to do with it, though, is always use it later on in the evening when the uh, insects come back up towards the surface. Uh, Doing it in the middle of the day, that's when they've gone down a little bit deeper to try and keep away from the heat of the day. So, always, you'll get a much better result if you go out later uh, in the evening and uh, treat them.
2: Okay. Should I feed it after that or anything? Yeah. the lawn
1: after Now, you should uh, also get some salt and use the salt because that'll promote the root growth again, and that's what's been damaged mostly by the army grub. And uh, then I'd repeat the whole process again in about two weeks' time because the moths, you know, their eggs could still be there in the system and they'll hatch out and they'll just keep on uh, sort of munching away at your lawn. So, uh, yeah, important to uh, do that follow-up in about two weeks' time and, and keep the salt up to it as well because Seasol is fantastic for the root system of plants. Okay, well, thank you very much. Well, you. Okay, cheers, thanks, Kev. Thank
0: you. It is guarding talk back on to New RFM. If you do have any questions for Scott Sharp, give us a call on four nine two one six two one six. We've got Ruth from Carrington.
1: Ah, Carrington, the the fantastic island of Newcastle. Yes,
5: it's the um, really good one there, isn't it? Oh, yes.
1: Look, can it get better? Oh, <laughs>
5: well, I don't think so. It's beautiful. It is. I, I call it Carrington Heights now. <laughs> Anyway,
3: what I want to I ask you, about, I've got a frangipani tree at the front. Yes, and uh, it's a burgundy one.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: The leaves at the top are starting to
5: turn, but they're, they're like they've got a, like spots all over it, and they're just dropping straight off. And they're really hard when they fall. The, you know, like they're
1: dried out. Yes. Yeah, so, look, fear, fear not, Ruth. Uh, my uh, frangipani leaves are uh, doing exactly the same thing. So are the next door neighbours. Uh, so oh. that's that's in Forbes Street. So uh, okay. So it, it could be endemic to your 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 street as well. But don't worry about that. What's okay. ha- what happens to frangipanis at this time of year is they actually get the frangipani rust. It starts to come on. Oh. Uh, and yep. I don't know why it always comes on, you know, mm-hmm. March, April. You'd think it'd come on when it's much more mm. humid in February, but mm. it, it seems to come on. Uh, it's going, to, all your leaves are going to fall off anyway. Uh, the main thing to do is to rake those leaves up and get rid of them away from the area.
4: I do, yep. yes. And now, the I other thi-
1: the other thing you can do is you can get a product called Mancazee Plus yep. a- and spray that all over the plant in underneath the leaves where the rust spores are. Okay. And once you've cleaned them all up from the ground as well, yeah. uh, get some in a watering can and actually drench the soil in around the panty to try and kill those mould spores, uh, okay. those rust spores that are in the ground.
5: All right, then. That's good. Thank you very much. I no, guess we haven't had that before, you know. I've never done
4: that before.
1: Yeah, look, don't don't worry about it. Uh, look, you live on an island, but you're not an island. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's happening everywhere. Like I said, it's happening at my place, so don't be worried okay, about it. Okay, then. Yeah.
4: Thank you very much not for your information. That's
1: all right. You enjoy the Mecca of Carrington.
4: I will. Okay. Thank
2: you. Bye. Thank you,
1: Ruth. All right, you love your Carrington talk, don't you? Well, we love our caro.
0: We've got up to Brankston now with John. We've got some problems with your lemon tree.
1: He's got, yeah. How can we help you with it, mate?
2: Um, look, I've, um, I've found some black orange bugs on the, on the bush and such of those. Yep. Um, but the fruit seems to have spots on it, like little black-coloured spots, and uh, what, what they call, I think, nickel leaf. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. I've tried an elephant. Yes. Um, then I've tried a bit of um, fertiliser around the base, that sea salt. Yes. Yes. Um, But it doesn't seem to be doing any difference, so I'm
1: just wondering what might be the problem. Yeah, look, the thing with sea salt is it's great for the root system of the plant, but it's probably not much good for anything else in the plant, especially citrus. They're very heavy feeders, so you need to use a more all-round fertiliser when you're feeding citrus. Something like bounce back or even sudden impact, it's fantastic for roses, but it will work uh, on your citrus as well. So very important to use an all-round fertiliser. Now, you said the spots are on the fruit, did you?
2: I've got like a crinkle leaf with um, it sort of looks like a bit of a, looks a bit like a spider web effect over the leaf. Yeah, so you've
1: had sorry, that's right, mate. So you've definitely had citrus leaf miner by that uh, by the sounds of that. Uh, So you need to just prune all that affected growth off, and uh, you get a product called Eco Oil and use that as a preventative when you see some new growth coming on. And the the other thing, uh, if you've got spots on your fruit, that could be actually scale on there. So you're sort of halfway there when you said you were using malathion, but you actually need to get a product called anti-scale, which is malathion and white oil mixed together. And when you spray that uh, white oil, actually permeates down through the the waxy shell of the scale and takes the poison, the malathion, in there with it and kills the little insect that's living in underneath. So it's it's really important to uh, get that that product, anti-scale, and spray that over the uh, over the fruit and uh, get that other product called uh, Eco Oil and uh, cut off the affected area of the plant and spray as a preventative. Yeah,
2: so that Eco Oil is basically pest oil, I say.
1: Uh, look, it's actually different. It's got uh, some more botanicals, some tea tree oils and things in it, and we've used both at work, and the Eco Oil seems to work much better than the pest oil to keep away citrus leaf miner. All right,
0: OK. Another question about lawns. Yes,
5: yeah, good God, please. Yes,
1: what's happening out there with your poor old uh, lawn,
5: Vicky? Oh, our lawn's beautiful, <laughs> but we're going away. Yes. Um one of the gray nomads. Um for winter. When we come back, we get have the winter grass every week. Mhm. Can you
1: spray it before you go? Yeah, you certainly can because a uh, winter grass killer uh, actually works as a pre-emergent. So it's actually sterilizing the seed before it comes up. And most people make the mistake of they wait for the winter grass to pop its little tufty sort of limey green head up. And then they go, oh, geez, we better do something about this. But in a way, it's already too late by then. And so if you use uh, the winter grass killers, it actually yeah, works as a pre-emergent. And it will get rid of it out of the soil uh, before it comes up and you'll probably get a better result
5: out of it. Yeah, we're going away in a couple of weeks so and we won't be back sort of probably September. Yeah. So I'm just wondering whether it's too long
1: oh, that's n- fine. No, look that should be all right. Of course, you know they you can have bad next door neighbours and yeah, we'll uh, Oh, (laughs) no names, no pack drill. And uh, the seed can be blown back into your place and it can germinate again. So, uh, look, you just have to do the best you possibly can. Uh, Get in there just before you go away. Use uh, one of the winter grass killers and see if it, uh, you know, cleans it out a little bit for you. And then, uh, you know, sort of stare daggers at your next door neighbour and, you know, or toss some old packets of winter grass killer over the fence as a hint and see what they do about it.
5: Okay, Okay, thanks for that, Scott. Have a
1: nice trip wherever you're off to. Yeah, Darwin. Oh, very nice. haven't been up there, but I love the humidity. Yes.
5: Thank you. <laughs> Not
0: Thank many you, people Vicky. do love the humidity. Oh, it's... I
1: love the humidity. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, it's nice for add a neighbors out as well.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, good on her. Yeah. It's guarding talk back on 2 RFM. This is Peter from Walls End.
2: How can we help yeah, you, g'day.
1: Pete? How can we help g'day,
2: you? Scott. Um, I've got a couple of, um, I think they're Chinese tallow, deciduous trees yes. on the footpath, yeah. on the verge, um, and they're just literally covered in, uh, the leaves are covered in uh, these little tiny black um, hard-shell insects. Um, they they seem to exude some sort of sugary substance. You can crush them under your thumb, you know, but um, and they, they come out with some sort of, uh, like a sugary um, oh, sweet uh, su- oh, oh. I can't explain it. Yeah, no, but... that,
1: that's all right, mate. So what you've actually got is scale on on your uh, sapium, on your Chinese tallow wood. They do actually get a funny black brownie sort of scale all over them. And uh, yeah. scale is just a, it's a little insect. It gets blown around by the wind and then it lands on, on your tree and it forms a waxy shell over the top of it to protect it. And that yeah. uh, that sort of residue you're talking about, I guess, it's scale poo. Let's let, let's not mince words here today.
2: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yep, so yep. it's
1: it's just the residue. It's the poo of the scale, and right. uh, often the ants. ants yeah, the ants will come up to feed off that uh, sort of sugary residue that the uh, that the uh, scale puts yeah. out, and in turn that brings up they, the ants bring up fungal spores, usually sooty mold uh, spores from the soil, yes, and yes, that goes yes. all over the leaves of the plant. Uh, it starts yes. to block out the sunlight. You get trans, you know, then the plant uh, can't. Photosynthesize and you get a generally unhealthy plant. And now, the great thing about your Chinese tallow wood is it is going to lose its leaves quite soon. So, all of these problems are sort of going to be magically taken away for you. So, you don't have to worry about them too much. Right. Uh, so, in, in fact, you know, you could spray, you'd use anti scale. If they're, if they're big trees, it might be a little bit difficult because you actually have to contact uh, the, uh, the uh, spray all over the scale to get the, uh, the job done. Yeah. So, look, for, for my money, uh, you know, I'd probably uh, sit on the front veranda, uh, pour yourself a glass of wine or something and wait for them, wait for them to lose, lose their leaves and the job will be done for you.
2: Well, so it's not a thing that comes back each year. It, um, automatically, it's something that is born on the wind again as a spore and then will, so I could, it could be blown up the street from somewhere and I could get it again next year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's nothing you can All really right. do about it. Yes, scale insects are just born around by the wind.
2: So it's just spray them with anti-scale. It's just, we had them last year and they've come back again and I tried to spray them with white oil. It didn't seem to do much good. Um, I've even got the trees you know, nicely um, partitioned off, you know, and I've got nice white gravel over over the top of the, the bottom of the tree, you know, as a board, as a, as a bed. Yeah. And uh, the white gravel from one in particular is just now brown from all the sugary uh, poo that they've been dropping. Um, so I thought, well, it's, get, it's really, really bad, but if I just wait for them to lose their leaves, they'll go away and next year perhaps get um, scale on it before it attacks. Yeah,
1: so the white oil that you've been using will sort of work, but if it's a very bad case, I usually only recommend white oil as a preventive. That's why I always say use anti scale because it's got the, the malathon uh, mixed in yeah. with it so that it can actually get permeate down into the shell of the scale and do the job. Look, mate, you've got two choices. Sit there, have the glass of wine, um, watch the leaves fall off, or um, yeah. or do, go out and do the hard yards with the spray. Nah. I know what choice I'll be making. I I'll can like, see. I'll three. Like
2: I'd like to first suggest it to you, Scott. Okay. <laughs>
1: so we're and, all in agreement. And just
2: one last question. <laughs> yes, mate. Next year, next year when the leaves come back again, would it be uh, advisable to give them a, a spray of anti-scale before anything happens?
1: Look, you can use it, uh, I guess, if there's any scale insect settling there. Unfortunately, it's one of those things. Until you see it, it's probably not uh, you know, worth using it as a preventative. Right. Okay. Thanks very much. Okay. Thank you. Good on you, mate. Okay. Cheers, Bye. Peter. I like use the phrase sugary poo. Yes, I... Yeah. That's a great phrase. Yeah. Well, we, let's not mince words. <laughs> I've never been one to do that. I, I like plain speak.
0: Plain speak. Yeah, good just... Yeah. Good down-the-earth chats.
1: Yeah, Yeah. That's, that's how we always are. Bit of a slap on the back and, you know, we'll get it out, out of the way. <laughs> All right, righty, Scott. Before we do go, you've got a couple of things about the Orchid Society. Yes, we've got uh, our, the uh, Australasian Native Orchid Society. These guys are masters of the black art. <laughs> they know about growing orchids and making them beautiful. I don't know anything about that. Uh, so they've got their uh, Autumn Orchid Spectacular on the 16th and 17th of April at Cardiff Bolo. It's out at Mile Road. Uh, so look, on Saturday, that's between 10 and 5. And on Sunday again, it's between 10 and 3. Uh, so they're going to have a, a massive showcase of uh, you know all sorts of weird and wonderful native orchids. Apparently, they've got Dendrobium biggie bum. Right. Yes, I thought you'd like that one but it's better known as the Cooktown Orchard or Orchid. (laughs) I just want to say Dendrobium Biggie Bum again. That's why I just want to get back to that. Uh, They'll also be selling plants. They'll have raffles out there. All you need is a gold coin donation, and uh, in you get, you're going to see a massive and wonderful display of native orchids out there at Cardiff Bolo, 16th and 17th of April. Very good.
0: They've got a few events coming up soon?
1: And then uh, I believe on the 28th to 29th, we've got Maitland and Coalfields, Awkward Society, uh, they've got a big autumn show as well up at uh, Raymond Terrace, but we'll talk about that later because I can't plan that far ahead. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. You can, I, can, yeah. I can't plan for tomorrow, okay. so I understand.
0: Now, Scott, before you do go, you mentioned earlier in the show, actually straight off the bat.
1: I did. I, did. I was
0: straight off the bat. I, I was planning that one for a six-horse night. Just a little, a little tease about this story involving a seagull. What would you do if
1: you had a 12-year-old boy, if some packets of, of hot chips that they've bought at Nobby's and a whole lot of seagulls. I'd probably run. No, I, what we did on the weekend, it was so much fun. You bury the 12-year-old boy up to his neck in the sand. Do I have to call docs? <laughs> and then you get hot chips and you put them all around him on his head. I wanted to stuff him up his nose, but his sisters wouldn't let me. And then you let the seagulls come in and feed. It was quite scary. The whole beach loved it. It was fantastic. I imagined
0: everyone except for the 12-year-old boy. The would 12-year-old
1: old boy he had a fantastic time, I'm sure. But he couldn't scream.
0: You put chips in his mouth as well. No, I wanted to, but. True story. He's guarding talk back on 2 Your RFM. Scotch it Do you have anything else before
1: we knock one out of here? Oh, that's really about it for today. We can talk about uh, some. Oh, what about this? Go for it. Yes. Yeah, it super... looks impressive. It is. It's a fantastic, beautiful looking plant. I was going to mention, but I, sort of the chip story got in the way. It was a good chip story. It was a good chip story. Super Bell's Frostfire. It's a type of uh, Million Bell's Petunia, but it's got this funny sort of colour, and here we're going to talk about colours. Greg's going to describe the colour for me. White and yellow. White and whitey yellow, but it is quite an attractive plant. Uh, million Bells are a very tough plant. They come from Peru. Uh, they're a perennial, and you can prune them back. They do look like a little miniature petunia, and uh, they like tolerate really, really dry, hot conditions, and you'll get plenty of color out of them at this time of year and almost all year round. Beautiful. Yep. Great all-year plant. Yes. Well, Scotch, that's it. That's us for today. Thank you. Well done, mate. I'll catch you next week. Perfect.